1: Hello and welcome to a Tuesday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. It's hot. It's popping. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm Eugene Repay. He's Chris Stangiel. Chris, it was rocking on Saturday. You missed it, man. It was so awesome in there. It was possibly the best game environment since 2013 Syracuse. It was so sick. I know, and I, I got a lot of FOMO,
0: I guess, that that fear of missing out, that's the thing, right? Yeah, yeah that's I, it, that's
1: it, that's
0: the one That's it, okay, alright, I'm trying to keep up with the times here Yeah, that was, uh, it looked like a real fun game, and I'm sad I missed it uh, I was invited at the last second, but it just wasn't feasible at the time um, Especially with, uh, it, it was just one of those things where it was just like, yeah, you should come, but it was like, well we could have made this happen a while ago, but anyway, uh, yeah, I'm just sad I missed it, and actually sitting, well, I wasn't I actually didn't end up watching. I listened to the entire game, though, but uh, when I was listening to it, I told my brother, I was like, you know, we really actually could have gone, <laughs> and the fact that we could have gone really upset me, but hey, we got the dub, and that's all that freaking matters, and who knows? Maybe there's a timeline where if I go, it, it's a whole butterfly effect, and you know maybe dotson shot at the end goes in because I don't know something happened,
1: or maybe they hit the over because I know you took the over, but <laughs> of course, of course the the law of gambling, all the rules of physics that's around it, it's always the opposite of whatever you want yes, exactly
0: what what I'd say about what ninety percent of the show on Thursday was devoted to talking about how much each team is going to score. And then we proceeded to drop a combined 46 points in the first half. <laughs> the over under was set at 146 and a half. And I didn't think we were going to hit that and uh, come the second half, the way uh, the defensive effort was showing, but Hey, I'll take a loss in the gambling. end if it means Villanova wins and if it means that Villanova's defense might just look like it's turning the corner.
1: You're right. You're right. At the end of the day, what matters is that Villanova won. It was a great game for everyone who was able to attend. Over 20,000 people showed up, packed the Wells Fargo Center. It was live. It was rocking. It really reminded me that when there's a great game, there's a big ticket in town. When that place gets going, it gets going. It was such an awesome environment. I was really happy to be there. I think we haven't had that feeling in quite some time, probably since the last Syracuse game that was at the Wells Fargo center. But I don't think that there was one that was just as nuts as that in over the last three or four years. So it's been, it's been a little bit, it's been about five years since we had like a really big opponent. You remember that Syracuse game when Nova somehow miraculously scored like eight points in like six seconds and then uh, JVP's block to seal it. Oh, that was, that was another good one too. But there that hasn't been anything like that since.
0: I'd contest the Virginia game from a couple years ago from the sixteen seventeen season. I
1: was actually in attendance for that, so I mean Actually I, you're right. You're right. Actually, uh so I didn't say that game because I wasn't there. So there I was being an idiot and not <laughs> including it. So I guess <laughs> no, not that's- even Chris. We're even. You were there at that game. I was there for the Kansas yeah. game, so it all worked out.
0: Yeah but i would say though we haven't had a type of this type of game where Villanova is an underdog against a highly ranked opponent in quite some time with, in, a, in an environment like this so it, it's nice to be on the underdog end because you know Villanova's been a favorite for so long not that being the favorite's a bad thing but it's cool to get that other side of the equation again yeah. that we experienced so much like our freshman year
1: oh yeah yeah of course there was no court storming which i'll be yeah. honest i I didn't think there was going to be – like the reporter next to me was like, oh, do you think they're going to storm the court? Like that would be pretty cool. I'm sitting there thinking, "Uh, no, it's a top 25 opponent. I don't care if it's the number one team in town, but when both teams are ranked, there should be no court storming of any kind. No court storming of any kind.
0: I agree. I was glad that we uh, were a little smart there on the fan base end of things.
1: You can credit that, but I can tell you firsthand – the Wells Fargo security, they were not playing games. They had rows of security people. I know that they, they cut off the student section. They said, no one's no one's going on the court. And then on the opposite side, where there were some students, it was mostly just fans. I saw fans trying to like pile up towards the end of the court near the buzzer. And mm-hmm. security was just like, no, it's, no, this is not happening today. The, the Sixers are playing <laughs> later. We're not dealing with this again. I remember the Georgetown game also in that 2012-2013 year. They stopped the students from storming the court. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would have been as crazy as that Syracuse storming, but I'm glad that no one no one got on the court. We did not need that. We did not need a court storming, but we needed a nice big celebration because what it went for the Cats, holding on, holding off the Kansas Jayhawks, 56-55. to 55. As much as we talked about this game leading into it on Thursday's show, on Tuesday's show, you could have honestly thrown that whole week's worth of recording probably almost out the window Mm -hmm. because I don't know what happened. I don't know what changed overnight. I don't know if they ate their Wheaties that morning, but the defense was the real show here. Nova just put it together for all 40 minutes. I would say sure. Of course, you know, there's going to be some lapses here and there, but I thought the physicality, the defensive effort the way that everyone was able to lock down, not let any of these Jayhawks get out of control. The man-to-man coverage was great. They didn't overhelp on defense. And I thought that was the biggest key in all of this. For sure. And I I mean, as I mentioned
0: before, I was able to listen to the game. I wasn't able to watch, so I couldn't really see like the defensive effort other than a few highlight packs that I was able to catch. So I'll leave the more of the defensive analysis to you, but I'll, I'll take your word for it. And from what I saw, it looked it just looked fantastic. Everything was like highly contested outside of a couple shots. It, it just the rotations were great. No one was really missing any assignments. From what it seemed like. So real big props to Jay Wright and his staff for having this team ready to play on the defensive side of the ball. Because like you said, we talked ad nauseum about the defensive effort being a problem, especially in the previous few games. And then we thought against Kansas as being such a high offensive team, it would be even more of a problem. But You look at it, and three-point range, Kansas was bad. I mean, from the field, they shot pretty – they shot okay, but, like, they were able to lock down three-point line. And even then, I think the perfect personification of the defense was at the end with Sadiq Bey guarding Dotson, not allowing an easy shot whatsoever. A little side note with that, I watched an ESPN highlight recap of villanova kansas game one of the espn analysts who was doing the highlights of the game wanted a call at the end they're like oh whoa, wow i'm surprised they didn't get a call there at the end i don't know if that was being sarcastic because kansas gets calls or something but it's just typical espn crap but overall defense was fantastic
1: yeah i just love the way that they were able to stay in front of a quick guy like dotson dotson he, while he did have a team high 15 points for the jayhawks he did only shoot an inefficient five of 15 on the floor but no stop was bigger than, like you said, the one by Sadiq Bey at the end to hang on. Nova, they were down by four. They gave up that and one with just over a minute to go. And there was a mood kind of starting to shift there like, oh, no. Well, it was a good game. It was a good fight. But it looks like Kansas might pull away with this. But then a missed free throw, a clutch defensive stand by Gillespie, getting that stealing score to cut it down to two. Then you had a big-time three from big-game Jermaine to give Villanova a one-point lead. Of course, they had to play defense, but an ill-advised foul. Dotson, going to the line, I thought that this was going to be trouble. He ended up missing the front end of the one-and-one. One. Nova gets the rebound. They have to inbounds the play. And Chris, after three <laughs> nail-biting <laughs> plays on the fourth one, They cough it up, but it didn't matter because Bay was able to stand tall at the end. It wasn't just against Dotson, but against the big man, Yudoka Azabuki down low. I I just love the way that Nova was not scared of him. They're being physical with him. Unless if he had a guy one-on-one, he was going to finish. But they were throwing double teams at him, trying to deny entry passes, playing him tough down low. Jeremiah Robinson-Earl, Cole Swider throwing in some post-defense. I was just really impressed with the defensive effort, and other than that, no one else was really able to get going. Azbuki with 12 points, Agbaji with 11 points, and then on the Nova end, Jermaine Samuels led the way with 15 points. Of course, he hit that big go-ahead three. Colin Gillespie, cold first half, big second half, especially in the closing minutes, tailing that loss. Archie Diacono blood. He had 12 points. And then Jeremiah Robinson Earl, he also chipped in nine points, nine boards. It was just a dogfight. No one was really able to get into a groove, especially Nova. You you look at how many threes they took. Took 41. We had that guy ask us if they take less than 20, Mm
0: -hmm. can they
1: win the game? We ended up taking more than double that. that
0: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) double
1: that. And even though the threes weren't falling, they came at the right moments, obviously, with Jermaine Samuels. But also, I thought that they could have cashed in way more. They had so many good looks. And For there sure. are going to be people who are going to complain about the shooting percentage, but honestly, yeah. the looks, they were real good. They just couldn't knock them down.
0: For sure. And I want to hit on a couple of things you mentioned. So we're first with the three-point shooting. Um, we, Chris Lane and I both kind of mentioned that we thought Cole Swider was going to be like the main contributor to the whole three-point shooting thing. He only took two threes. So the three-point shooting was spread around a lot with Colin taking the most the 10 and Justin Moore coming off the bench with nine uh, three-point attempts. Uh, as you mentioned, the percentage for everyone pretty much was not the best, but like you said, it, it came at the most important times. And I want to say Villanova only got to the line twice, and they made both both of them. And if there was one nitpick of this entire game, it's the fact that Villanova get, didn't get to the, the line enough. But again, that's very trivial in this whole grand scheme of things. But Kansas missing those two huge free throws at the end, and it was part of that four-play sequence where Braun makes the and one, misses the ensuing free throw, which honestly, if I believe if he hits that, I don't think Villanova comes back. Something would have changed. The whole outlook of the game changes if he hits that free throw. I feel like the whole possessions change, and I don't think Villanova was able to get that steal from Gillespie and then hit the three with Samuels later on. So between that missed free throw, the Dodson missed free throw, as you mentioned when they were down one, plus the Colin Gillespie steal, who was awful the entire game. He was horrible the entire game. He has that huge steal, which changed the, the entire outcome. and Gave Villanova all the momentum back when they were down four. I believe it was, I believe it was 55-51 or 55-50. It was right after the LeBron missed free throw. So for him to do that and then to hit a three down the court right around that same time was huge. I know he, like I said, he only went two of ten from three, but he hit some clutch threes at the end. So props to him for at least sticking with it. And I know he airballed. There was like two airball threes he had, which was just bad. So he was really having a bad day, but he was able to finish strong, and that's all that matters to me especially in a tightly contested game like this and Jermaine Samuels a guy who we completely forgot about when we were talking about in the preview show and I knew it once we finished recording the other day that we didn't even mention big game Jermaine and the fact that he hit most threes out of anyone with three on eight attempts two of which were late and and obviously the one the most important one at the end just a fantastic job by Jermaine Samuels. He also had that drive to the basket to give Villanova all momentum back too. That was just fantastic. Like he was just, he just shows up in the biggest games. And it's funny because you look at his stat line, he had 15 points, 6-12 from the field, 3 of 8 from 3, but it, it didn't even feel like that. I felt like there was like JRE was like more involved, Gillespie obviously, even though he wasn't having the best game, Justin Moore who also kind of had a sloppy game. But I feel like they were more involved in Samuels. But then you look up at, at the scoreboard, and Samuels is leading the way. So props to him for showing up big time. And Big Game Jermaine, the legend of Big Game Jermaine lives on.
1: Yeah, another highlight to add to is real that's continuing to just expand. Three-point shots, you know, I thought Nova was getting great looks. The ball movement was excellent. I was surprised. I was honestly shocked. We were talking about how there's no way Bill Self is going to let Nova just take off from deep, take off from long range. If they hit a couple more threes, they definitely could have. But the whole day, guys were just open on the wing. They're doubling somewhere, finding the open man, trading a good shot for a better shot. And it just wouldn't fall in. It could have been a totally different story had they dropped, had they fallen, had Nova shot a higher percentage. But it was just very encouraging to see, you know, with this young team, defense has not been their strongest suit so far leading into Saturday. But even when the shots weren't falling, even when they're shooting a subpar 34.9% overall, an ugly 24.4% from deep, they were able to stand tall on the defensive end, make the big plays when it mattered, and this is just huge, huge moving forward. They really needed this one, and just to see them go out there, gut it out against Kansas, at home, pulling off the upset, they were clearly playing off the crowd, and you could tell it, the crowd was loving it. And honestly, just a great win for the cats. There's really nothing like. I honestly went home, and I think I I rewatched the game twice before I went out, and then I watched a, a bunch of highlight reels and videos on YouTube on Monday, just afterwards. I've just been so amped on this win, and I think we're gonna get pretty much a whole week to celebrate it.
0: Yeah, pretty much uh, a long cool down period yet again. But uh, yeah, obviously this is gonna be the probably gonna end up being the biggest win in the year, unless one of the Big East teams really takes off here and works their way through the ranks. But this is by far the biggest win of the year. And if they didn't win, as you mentioned, the, the biggest non-con win would have been what? Mississippi State? And, like, I don't – like, come March, this, that's not going to look great. So the fact that you got this on the resume is incredibly huge. And the, the two losses so far to an Ohio State team, which right now is number two in the polls. And, yeah, they didn't really stand the chance in that game. They got absolutely whipped. But that's okay. Like, that was the first road game we've – discussed that already and the other loss is against Baylor who's now in the top 10 and I believe they're number
1: seven right now Let me look, seven, yeah, seven. They
0: are number seven. yes they are number seven so yeah that so your two losses are to two top 10 teams and now you're in the, yourself the top 10 so come March as long as we hold serve in the Big East like Villanova usually does we're gonna be looking good <laughs> we're gonna be looking real good and wasn't expecting that in the beginning of the year, I know if like we go through our preseason predictions, it kind of ends up the same way. But the fact that they were able to pull this out after the way they've been looking is just incredible. I think the coaching staff deserves a lot of credit. The players deserve a lot of credit. Like, just the just a huge turnaround And a game in a game that they won in a way that you wouldn't expect this team to win. This is like reminiscent of the teams of the past where if they weren't shooting well, at least they could lock it down on the defensive end. And you know what? Sometimes they wouldn't, but sometimes they would. and But this team, I had never thought in a million years if they were to shoot, what was it, 34%, 35% from the field and 24% from three, that they would end up beating the number one team in the nation. So props to them, props to the coaching staff, and then just let's regroup and let's get ready for conference play and run rampant through that.
1: Yeah, all credit to the game plan and for the players for executing it because they clearly had a good one out there. I thought defensively, I don't know what happened. I don't know where that team was for like the last 10 or so games. The ones who are getting cooked on D, getting beat one-on-one, losing guys on switches. It was superb execution on the defensive end. And when I watched the game over twice afterwards, I still couldn't believe how crisp and how clean it was on that end of the court. Very physical, very active. And also, I think another thing that helped is Villanova didn't gift too many possessions to Kansas. They only had nine turnovers, three in the second half. Excellent care of the ball. The shots weren't falling, but they never got down on themselves. They just put their hats on, went to work on defense, got the job done. It was unfortunate that Kansas lost Marcus Garrett along the way. He got hurt in the first half and didn't return to the game. Who knows how that would have impacted things? We don't know. There is we an alternate know. reality. There is no we way. do know. There is no way. And yeah. Uh, it's just, hey, it is what it is. Whatever
0: happened, happened. And what happened was Villanova won by one. And that's all that matters. Yes. injury yeah. or no injury. It's not like it was Dotson. Like, if it was Dotson, then like oh, maybe no, there's yes. like a bit of an asterisk <laughs> on it. Injury or no injury, I still think Villanova wins. The way that the defense was going. so
1: Yeah, they were hanging there the whole time. Once Nova got settled in, you knew it was good. I, I thought that there was going to be a point where they turn it on. And I know we joked on previous episodes, like, oh, this team isn't really a second-half team anymore. What's going to happen? And I thought, you know, they were getting the optimal looks that they would just pour it on in the second half and everything would just start clicking. It didn't happen, but I'll trade that for a hard-nosed defensive effort. That's the best we've seen all season. Haven't seen anything like that yet. I hope that this is a huge turning point moving forward. I think it will be. And once we start Biggie's play next week, we'll see how it goes to begin things with the Xavier Musketeers but right now, a huge win. we will got a whole week to celebrate it. Nice win before going into the holidays. One thing that I want to know, Chris, before we put this game to rest, is why in the world does Jay Wright only have three inbounding plays? Is he joking? Is he serious? <laughs> if he isn't joking, I will say it would explain a lot over the last decade. Last decade, yeah. Try 15 years. Um, <laughs>
0: yeah, I – When you told me that, I'm like, that's got to be a joke. There's no way they they run three inbounds plays. (laughs) I used to coach middle school basketball, like just assistant coach, just to rack up the community hours, community service hours I had to fulfill. And we ran more than three inbounds plays. And our team was not the best. I I would think that a division one, top end division one program, would run more than three inbounds plays. But, uh, yeah, like you said, it would explain a lot. Because this team has never been able to inbound the ball. Ever. They sold their soul one time for the, uh, the Scotty Reynolds play in the Elite Eight against Pitt. But other than that, uh, even even in, in that game, the, like when was it, like two possessions before, the possession before, they almost threw it out of bounds and that led to Pitt shooting for throws. But yeah, it would explain a lot <sighs> because the inbounding has always been bad. So I really hope that was a joke.
1: <laughs> we'll never know. We'll never know. But according to Jay, for those who missed it, said this after the game.
0: Jay, what, what were the wrinkles when you had to get the ball inbound three times to the belt <laughs> I mean, Obviously not great, right not, <coughs> We kind of ran out of we ran out of our plays Hon- honestly like we ran we have I think three, three we have three different base um, press offenses. we ran all three and got it in but then for the fourth time we went back to the first one and they just they were on it. They were on it a you know, well-scouted, great coach, and then we were just, and we didn't have a timeout, so all he could do was just throw it in, and and um, that's our last option. to so throw it over the top, but it's not a great one. You just probably credit them, credit them the most. I don't think I, I don't think I've ever been in that situation where we've run out all of our plays and come back to that. In, in all of my, now I'm thinking about it, I've never been in that situation.
1: And then you had Dan O'Neill afterwards joking like, "Oh, you're gonna add a fourth. And then Jay was like, "Oh, we still need to work on these three first. Oh boy, <laughs> looks like not coming anytime soon. Uh, I think I think that
0: response right there. I think that uh, that,
1: that was enough. No, good. that was definitely a joke. It was it was a good right. joke. It was it was all yeah, in good it taste. Good. It
0: was all in good taste. It was good. It was. I know you want to kind of move on here, but I, I just want to ask you two two quick things. Yeah,
1: One, sure. what do you think of the throwback jerseys? You know, at, at first I didn't like them, man. At first I was like, "What oh, am I okay. looking at here?" But then. <laughs> They wanted it, so now it's like nah, you know, it's more, as many times as you want. You, you wear them practice, you wear them go to sleep, you wear them go to camp. Go, Connolly, Sunday, or <laughs> whatever. I like well, the powder blues better. I know you didn't like the powder no, blues, but I like the no. Like that's Now nah, that's where you lose me. They, these
0: were significantly better than the powder blues. They were nice, clean, crisp. I liked the gold. Should have worn those. The whole gold trim. Like after winning the championship, I thought that would have been cool. I know, like baseball teams do that after they win. Uh, World Series, they went. They wear for like a few games, but yeah, I I like those third pack jerseys a lot. So props to them. And then two is Jay Wright, Bill Self's daddy.
1: <laughs> it uh, might say so on Wikipedia. I don't know if the Wikipedia <laughs> gods and editors got to it yet, but I'm pretty sure on Wikipedia it it definitely says that he was. Yeah. So yes. Yeah.
0: Uh Because what every pretty much since the turn of the this decade. This decade, he's lost to him once. I'm pretty sure that's it, and that was the uh, game last year. And I was only by three points in a game that I we both thought that Villanova was going to get waxed.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and of and course, South- the dominant win in the Final Four, and mm-hmm. then the 2016 Elite Eight victory, so good, so good. Battle for Atlantis a few years before that. Oh yeah, yeah. It's been this decade
0: has been dominated by. Uh, Villanova compared to Kansas. I know Self got the the one in 08 in the Sweet 16, but that was a long, long time ago in a Galaxy far, far away. So glad Jay Wright's been able to own Self the past few years because uh, these wins over Kansas have certainly put Villanova back on the map for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely boosted Nova to the top 10. Beat them for the first time at the Wells Fargo Center since 2005 and their first visit ever since that. Infamous game that everyone knows or will credit as a turning point in Nova history and for Jay Wright's career on the main line. Huge win for the Cats. I don't think it could be stated enough. I'm still feeling the buzz. I'm still feeling (laughs) the buzz like three days later. Yeah, still riding that high. And the pollsters seem to be riding that high too. Oh, yeah. Nova's back in the top 10, taking the number 10 spot. Just looking at the rest of the polls, a lot of movement. A lot of movement from this past weekend. For the sixth time, before Christmas, that hasn't been done before, according to Adam Zagoria. But there is a new number one team for the sixth time. And it is now the Gonzaga Bulldogs, followed by the Ohio State Buckeyes, Louisville at number three, Duke at four. Kansas dropped to five. And then, rounding out your top ten, you got Oregon, Baylor, Auburn, Memphis, and then NOVA.
0: Yeah, up eight spots from 18, and a win like this certainly deserves a a jump, regardless of what everybody else does. Uh, Just looking around the rest of it, though, Big East-wise, Butler's at 12. They're up five spots, so they had a good week. That's it for Big East teams. Xavier's receiving votes with 68. Paul's at 54. They're getting closer and closer, man. Iowa is at 25 with 125 votes, so Paul's almost halfway there. Marquette's receiving votes. Georgetown's receiving votes. Creighton's receiving votes. St. John's is receiving votes. Hall Hall's receiving goats. So pretty much, if you're in the Big East, you're at least receiving goats somehow, some way. seen Hall had a good week, I would say. They ended up beating Maryland, which is a big win for them, especially coming off that horrific loss to Rutgers. And as a result, Maryland dropped six spots to 13. Kentucky, probably the biggest loser of the week, definitely the biggest loser of the week. They dropped 13 spots to 19 after losses to Ohio State. And I forget who else it was. Oh, it was Utah. So Not a great week for the other form of the Wildcats. Uh, But, yeah, in terms of polls, I think that's pretty much it. I don't know if you have anything else to add.
1: Just want to say that Saturday was a huge day for the Big East. The rest of the conference went undefeated that day. We had that huge win to start off that Saturday lineup, and then a huge win by St. John's upsetting Arizona on the road to close things out. So just a huge day. And also in the Big 12 Big East Challenge. Looking like, uh, you know, all that that smack talk about the Big East being a mid-major. (laughs) <laughs> looking, looking pretty good Looking better than the Big 12
0: <laughs> Hey, well, according to Doug Gottlieb If Villanova was in the Big 12 They wouldn't stand the chance So, love that narrative Props to the Big East for showing up this week Because, you know, the, the, we've always said like, When it comes to the big games It seems like the Big East always seems to falter But at least for one week We can say that the Big East uh, rules supreme
1: yeah, and it will make for a very fun and interesting conference play, which who knows? The forecast and the landscape, like I still think Nova's going to finish top. I'm still more than confident of that until proven otherwise. But that two, three, four, five, six, I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like we say that every year now. I feel like ever since Jalen left, <laughs> <laughs> Ever since, it's just like all right i mean obviously there's only one season of that so far but last year we were completely left in the dark about how everything was going to go and then this year i feel like we're even more left in the dark about everything It just there's just no clear cut upper echelon teams every more anymore everyone's just so closely knit together which is great for parody obviously but is it good for uh, march we we will see it's only been one season, so small sample size and results prove back, no. But uh, we'll see if uh, everyone beating up on each other uh, proves to be good for everyone
1: in the long term.
0: Yeah, I have no idea who, where everyone else is going to finish. Who knows now? Maybe St. John's is going to like finish top three now. And they were they were predicted to just be awful.
1: They're looking so good, too. Yeah, Yeah, a lot of no. the teams that were predicted to be bad are looking real good. Yeah, Butler's 12. Weren't they picked eighth? They were, yeah. The, yeah, it's just ridiculous. So who knows anymore?
0: at least we got it started soon and it comes on New Year's Eve Eve.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so we're not going to have an episode on Thursday. We're going to enjoy this little holiday break that we have here, but we couldn't leave you hanging without previewing the Xavier game because that game obviously won't be until Monday night or next Monday night, rather, December 30th. So we want to talk about this first game. Biggie's play is finally here. We're going to get a quality opponent to start. Yeah, Xavier might be out of the top 25 but this is by no means a slapsed team this is not a team that's fallen off after a hot start this is a team that even in losses look pretty good they lost to florida by five and then their only other loss is against wake forest which they lost on the road by just two points so they've been there they've been in every game maybe a, a couple bounces go their way and they're still sitting undefeated and still in the top 25 ken pom still seems to really love them very much a top 30 team according to his rankings the very balanced offensively, defensively, it's looking like another tough, stalwart musketeer squad that we've seen, especially last year. No more Hanky McSpanky, but Chris, who do we got? <laughs> who, who's in the house?
0: Uh, I forgot about Hanky Pooh. That's a shame. He's gone.
1: Did you forget really about was. the blue blob? You didn't forget about the blue blob. I did not forget about the Pooh Blob. Ever yeah, since by- our little discussion about him, we will. I will never forget. I was about to say, if you did, I was going to call Sackman and take your space. (laughs) Best mascot in college basketball. That's my homie. Uh, If anyone wants to fight me about it, you know where to find me on Twitter.
0: Yeah, please don't send Sackman after me. I don't want to have to log into my Twitter account. I I, I prefer being off. But anyway, getting into the nitty-gritty of things here. As we kind of mentioned in our Big East preview, Xavier has a core four. It starts with Najee Marshall and he's a pretty damn good player 16.2 points per game right now he's got about six rebounds a game three assists he's a do-it-all type of guy for for Xavier then you also got Paul Scruggs he's a guard 14.8 points uh, Tyreek Jones big boy inside he's got averaging a double double on the year with just about over 13 points and 10 rebounds even right now and then Quinton Gooden another guard with 8.1 points and then uh, four assists per game leading the team if you can stop some combination of those four you'd be looking good but those four it's, it's gonna go all go through them now obviously they have a few few complementary pieces with Jason Carter and Zach Fremantle off the bench but as of right now it's it's those four guys and they've been leading the way since if you look at their game logs right now every they've The combination of those four players has led the team in scoring, with the exception of Jason Carter. Uh, He led the team in scoring in one game, and that was against Towson. So if you're – and Tyreek Jones has pretty much led the team in rebounding every single game, with the exception of – I believe it's only two games so far. So you're going to have to stop some combination of them. I don't know if you're going to just let Tyreek Jones get his rebounds or you're going to let Paul Scruggs, you know, light you up or whatever, and then just stop the other two. Right? It's going to be an interesting way to see how the defense handles it. But because uh, I know with Kansas, it was pretty much just Dotson and Azubuki. And if you stopped one of those two, you're feeling pretty good. But with these four, they're going to attack you four different ways. And it'll be interesting to see how Jay Wright and his staff's going to drop a defensive plan, especially after that superb performance against Kansas.
1: I know it's nice to celebrate this win for this whole week. During the holidays, but I kind of wanted to see them get back to action a lot sooner just because I'm riding that buzz. I'm still riding that buzz. Would love to see them against Xavier because please inject that hard-nosed defensive effort into my veins. I loved every second of it. It was near perfect, I felt, just between the physicality, the effort, the ball denials, everyone saying glue to their man, shadowing their assignment. I will, I'm very curious to see how it will be against Xavier because this is a team that likes to attack the inside. They got the big personnel down low. But they also have the guys that can finish inside, attack the basket. So I think we might see more of the same. But, you know, there's gonna, we're going to have to see a lot of ball denials, a lot of one-on-ones, staying in front of your man, locking him up. They don't shoot threes very well. And I feel like this is something that has hurt Xavier last year, especially too, from becoming a truly dangerous team. They've done well so far. They've been able to compensate with tough defense, great rebounding, great play inside. But the three-point shooting—if they had someone who could just go over the top—oh, this team would be so dangerous, so dangerous.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really would be. It's almost as if, like JP McCure leaving, uh, all their three-point shooting left with them. But Blewett. Uh, Dan, yeah. blew, it. Dan and, blew it. Can't forget him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I completely wow. I don't know, I just view Mikura as a better three point option. That's just absolutely horrific analysis on my part. But <laughs> uh, I guess he's just in my head. And I guess that was the whole point of him to begin with.
1: But yeah, yeah because uh but, whenever he makes a three, it feels like he made ten threes just because he has <laughs> such a punchable face.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. And the way he acted made it feel like every three was uh, to win a to win a game. So just yeah, it just brought me the wrong way. But you're right. Uh, but, yes, to your point, they don't shoot three as well, and I was going to mention that before. 30.2% to be exact, that's, that's really bad. And if Villanova produces a similar defensive effort, they might be under 30% for the year, and that's just awful. And also, they're also shooting free throws pretty poorly too, 67.6% from the line. So maybe if this becomes a fouling match, it might not be the worst option. Tyreek Jones and Quentin Gooden are around 60%. Najee Marshall is a tad under 70 The rest of the team's okay. But I feel like with those three, three of your core four being not the best free throw shooters, it certainly brings down the percentage there, especially with the term, in terms of volume and all that. So yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting game. Like just because they're unranked doesn't mean they're not good. They were ranked for a very long time, and if it wasn't for like you said a few bad bounces, they would probably still be ranked and might be right on Butler's tails in terms of uh, in terms of ranking. But they're they're right there with the best of them and I was saying Xavier was going to finish second in the Big East I think in our Big East preview show either second or third something along those lines there with Seton Hall this is no push over game I am happy though it is at Villanova and we all know what happens when Xavier comes to Villanova it's always a bloodbath in favor of Villanova and I also think a good thing for Villanova is the fact that this is a long layoff after the Kansas game because I feel like if it wasn't, wouldn't have a good vibe coming off a big win against Kansas, and then going immediately into like Xavier. If like, let's just say Christmas wasn't Wednesday. Like, if this game was on a win- this Wednesday, I feel horrible about it because I just feel like they wouldn't be ready for it. I feel like they'd be riding too much on the high of beating Kansas, and they'd get blitzed in this game. But I think the fact that this are, there's a little bit of a long layoff, they'll be able to regroup, prepare, game plan for it, and I think they'll be right back at it with a good defensive effort and a good offensive showing. And I think uh, we'll get this status quo when it comes to Villanova-Xavier at Nova, and I think Villanova wins pretty heavily.
1: Nova should win, and the big key to this one will definitely be its defense and rebounding. This is a team that grabs offensive rebounds at a very high rate, top 25 percentile in all of college basketball right now. They have the big men to do it. They got some hungry guys on the glass. Jeremiah Robinson, Earl, Jermaine Samuel, Sadiq Bey, those guys are going to have to make sure they box out and clean up the glass there. Don't let the Musketeers create those second-chance opportunities, those second looks at the basket. But then also, considering how good Xavier's defense is, they've been pretty much close to lockdown, and they've been very competitive in the two games they've lost. It's not like you know they're going to go away. They're going to be tough. They're going to be physical. They're going to be hungry for a win. They're starting off Big East play. But, yeah, I like that it's at home because, like you said, Chris, the odds are always in Villanova's favor when Xavier comes to town. I do want to see the Wildcats play tough on D. Again, want to see them continue that effort, to show that effort, to show that effectiveness on that end of the floor, and just lock them down, because the offense might not be there, but as they saw against Kansas, you know, it's it's one thing to have that quote-unquote good moral effort, you know, moral victories, this and that, but to get that win, to earn the actual dub, the tangible proof that they can win a game on defense, win a game with effort, and then also, you know, it helps making some key shots, but the defense was really the facet of their game that took the cake in that Saturday game. And they might need a similar effort against Xavier as well.
0: For sure. So you, you think Villanova ends up winning. Do you think it's highly contested? Do you think they pull away late? How how are you feeling about this overall?
1: I think they pull away late. I I see it being pretty close for a little bit until Nova probably goes on a run and then seals it by just over double digits. Not too crazy. All
0: right. I'm feeling the same way too. I think it's a, Highly contested game till late. I think maybe with around six, seven minutes, Villanova gets hot. They pull away and then maybe like eight to 12 point victory
1: around there. All right. And there you have it. Once again, we won't be here on Thursday. So we're previewing this game now. If you can't make it to the pavilion, it'll be on next Monday night, December 30th at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. It'll be on Fox Sports 1. I will be tuning in. Won't be able to make it there. I still had to plan my pilgrimage back to the pavilion. But I enjoyed my first trip back to the Wells Fargo Center since since senior year, Chris. It was it was pretty enjoyable. It was a good way to come back. was your first, my first time th- back? Dude? Yeah, it was my first time back. If you think about it, I've only gone to like all the New York games.
0: Yeah, that's true. I, will, yeah. I thought you would have gone to one Wells Fargo. I guess you, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, welcome back. <laughs> no,
1: it was, it was a great way to be welcomed back. I enjoyed it. Got to see some old friends. Got to see a great game. Got to see a great win. No complaints. No complaints. It was my first game since uh, 2016 when Nova beat Georgetown. Final home nice. game. Wow. Good for
0: you. That's uh, I've been I mean, back three times. I think. The, but we've the, Virginia, be... yeah, the Virginia
1: game sounds like a great game also. That could have been great to be back. I think I was away yeah. that weekend. I remember being bummed. <laughs>
0: It was, that was good, but this, you picked one hell of a game to go to. If you had to pick, it was well worth the wait, I would say, for sure.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was glad I, I went to that and not like USF <laughs> or dollar dog night. <laughs> yeah. You, you picked the right one. I think I've been back three times. So I got or to not USF,
0: one. Ohio, Ohio, not USF. What am I saying? Yeah. It's okay. Same thing. They're both <laughs> green and they're both bad. <laughs> Yeah, I've been back for Virginia. I know I went to Providence that same year, but it was a little—I think it was a couple of weeks before. And then I also went to—what the heck did they play in 1718 when I went? I forget. But I also went to a game for the 1718 year. But I forgot who they played. So, oh, no, it was Marquette, and they, went them. So. Oh
1: yeah, that's right. Yeah, you were at right, that one.
0: So been back there a couple times, few times. But we both got to get back to the Pavilion somehow, some way, if
1: God willing, we're able to get
0: back there. And this would have been a good game for it, but. Alas, probably not going to happen.
1: Yeah, the Monday night's hard. The Monday night's hard. Yeah, it is. It really is. Before we get into questions, Chris, I do want to dive into a couple of different things that was brought to my attention. First off, mm-hmm. coach of the decade. I forgot who. I don't even care who did it anymore because it's not credible. I forgot who did it. I don't know. I don't remember from <laughs> CBS. I don't remember who it was. But they said John Calipari was coach of the decade. Sound off. Um, That's just wrong.
0: That's just I. I really don't have anything else to say. That's just wrong. How is he the coach of the decade? What did he do? What he won a national championship.
1: Uh, yeah, I guess. And I and you could say like, oh, he had all these like NBA talent, and one. Yeah, just one. Just one. Just one.
0: He had how many Final Fours? He had 12, 15. And then did that Brandon 19 make the Final Four? I don't know if they did. I think they did. But either way, yeah, you don't deserve it over a guy who's taking four-star recruits, three-star recruits with the occasional five-star recruit and turning them into All-Americans and winning national titles and running rampant through with the Big East and with regularity. It's just, that's just completely wrong. If you, even if you, like, if they said Coach K, maybe. Maybe you can make an argument. Yeah, uh, Calipari just no. That's that's just flat out wrong.
1: Coach K, Jay Wright. Who else could potentially be in that conversation? Roy
0: Williams, maybe. Maybe. Maybe.
1: Maybe. Maybe. maybe.
0: Like if you're trying to make a Mount Rushmore for the decade, I guess I, definitely Coach K and Jay.
1: And I, I guess Jay Calipari. Jay definitely is number one. Yeah, but it's not if for we're sure. talking about like yeah. If we're putting coaches before Calipari, I would I would put those guys. Definitely, Coach K. Oh, ESPN will give you fifty before J. Right, I'll uh, tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, according to Dickie
0: V, I think I think Dickie V had Coach K over J. Well, I don't know. He he did like a little article. Are you shocked? Are you no, 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 I'm not. Um, but he did an article on like top games, players, coaches, and like he listed them. But I don't know if he listed them in the order he thought it would be in, or if he just randomly put them there.
1: Well, not oh, him, just like a, just like an assortment of you know, Correct. top games like unranked.
0: Correct. Yeah. So the one, so two gripes on the Villanova side, the one for the best coach was, uh, was coach K and then J in that order. And then best game was Auburn, whoever, Virginia last year, and then Villanova UNC. So, I mean, wow. I, I, it's wow. Just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No Villanova players on uh for players of the decade but zion williamson was listed first god for god forbid
1: um uh, <laughs>
0: there and then god forbid you would, forgot you know, about him yeah yeah. was just a constant reminder and god what was the other one i had a problem with and eh, but probably didn't irk me that all that much oh team of the decade uh they put i think he put 2017 unc over 2018 villanova
1: but why you know, there's so there's so many better options. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Dude, it's just. Did he really pick that squad. He picked that squad. Yeah.
0: He picked the 2017 UNC team over the 18 Villanova team. I, actually, I don't. Uh, but again, th- again, it was just the way it was listed. I'm not sure if that was. What oh, he you're meant. Say- Oh,
1: okay. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I, I, so, I'm just you know I, the way it was set it was up It was presented. Villanova just happened to be at the bottom. Hopefully, it was alphabetical order. That's the only. Uh, this is I the only so. excuse. I hope so. I think he put.
0: I think he also put the fourteen fifteen Kentucky team above them, and they didn't win anything.
1: So John Calipari over Jay Wright for the coach of the decade. Is this a bigger snub than Jalen Brunson not getting all decade nods according to Dan O'Neal?
0: Um, it's on par with it, but I will say that whoever did this probably did it to get their name out there because it would just be, circulate around the Villanova networks. And then therefore you get the clicks and the popularity for it, but we're not even mentioning who it is. So, uh, so much for that.
1: Yeah. And yeah don't, don't, want
0: him famous. don't want to make them famous. No, exactly. And it is, it, it
1: is a major publication. I just found it.
0: Okay. We don't have to mention
1: it. We won't, Honestly, we won't. We won't mention it. <laughs> we're
0: not going to <laughs> give them the satisfaction. No.
1: And the second thing I wanted to address before we hit questions is I just want to give a huge shout out to Villanova Women's Basketball. Maddie Segrist, huge, huge game by the redshirt freshman, was injured last year. Ever since she's gone back in action this year, she's been lighting up the scoreboards. No different this past weekend. Against LaSalle, she dropped 41 points, was 13 of 19 on the floor, 6 of 10 from deep, broke Shelly Penna Fathers' 36-year-old record, for the most by a Villanova freshman. Hopefully, everyone got to see that cool ESPN feature that they did on Pennyfather, but if anyone knows or is familiar, you would have known that she was, at that time, like the goat in women's basketball. So this is a pretty, pretty huge record for Maddie Segrist. And also, it looks like the redshirt year is also spilling over to the women's side of the program, which is pretty nice, too. Yeah, for sure. And I, I guess
0: we can start calling her uh, Big Game Maddie now. Does it, Maddie. does it have that same effect?
1: Maddie Buckets.
0: Maddie Buckets. Well, All right. I, I like that. That's much better. That's much better. We'll, we'll go with that. We'll go with Maddie Buckets. Mm-hmm. And I di- also did see that ESPN piece floating around. I, bl- I believe I read it. When did that come out? Like a month ago? I feel like it, it, was it came out a
1: yeah, it was. ago. A, yeah. It, it, no, it was a little more than that. It might have been over the summer. Yeah, there was like a, a long form article, which I read, and then there was also a video feature. Pretty cool story. Pretty yeah, crazy. It was very yeah, interesting. For sure. But yeah, I mean, you know, you, you break that kind of record from that caliber of a player who you can only wait and see how great or how big of a star she'll become in over these next couple of years. So far so good. For Maddie Segrist. Huge, huge game, huge performance. Big shout outs to her. that time of the day where we stop what we're doing, pop open in the mailbag, and answer the questions that you, the listeners, have for us. As always, you can tweet us at S-O-N-N pod. Leave us a question. Ask us anything. Could be basketball-related, life-related, anything you want to know and you want, for some reason, our advice on, please ask away. The first question is from Brendan Riley. Shout-out to Brendan, by the way. Got to see him at the game. He was pretty amped. I was pretty amped. We also saw Ryan Bowman. It was a great VU Hoops reunion. It was the first time they met each other, too which is kind of hilarious because we spent all this time talking to each other on Twitter, on podcasts, on VU hoops, on Slack, and not everybody gets to meet everybody in person. So that was, that was a nice little moment, but Chris, he wants to know this question that you brought up a little bit or that you alluded to during the show, having a week and a half off before Xavier. Is it great because it allows the young team to calm down and not overlook the opponent or terrible because you lose momentum off such a big win. Great minds think alike. Chris, Yes. (laughs) uh, yes. <laughs> uh,
0: as I said before, I agree with the first half of that question. I believe it's good because you, you get to calm down. You're not going to overlook the next opponent, and I, I just wouldn't feel great about that because it's not like if it was maybe I don't know. Well, the Paul's good this year, I guess, but like let's just say if it was like the Paul teams of the past, like maybe like I'd be like, all right, let's just get back at it and get the game over with. But I, I think with Xavier being really good, and I, I wouldn't want to just go right into it from the Kansas game. And I am a believer in momentum, but I think that the fact that this team is so young, it just, they just need to take a step back, look at the tape, go over what they did right, go over what they did wrong and just game plan and get ready for it because i think with the younger the team the better it is for them to game plan than it is to just you know just trot out there and let talent take over kind of like the teams of the past have not that this team doesn't have any talent i'm not saying that whatsoever i'm just saying that with the fact that they are so young that it's i think it's better for them to just the more time the better the more prep the better and that's kind of why i'm leaning toward that
1: yeah you gotta let the young kids enjoy their christmas take a few days off for that kit Oversaturate them, although I would have loved a game ASAP because I, at this point, I'm just, just want to feed my appetite for more Villanova basketball. But uh, yeah, I think the time off, the little stretch, this is actually one that I can vouch for. It's been kind of lame because these games have been so spaced out, but I think there's a lot of excitement here to that'll hold me over until next Monday. I'll say that for sure.
0: So you're saying it's better that they, you're kind of agreeing with me on that, on that sense then? Yeah. Are you, or would, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, enjoy enjoy the holidays. You know, get get some practice out there. Digest film. Look what what went wrong. What could be better? Praise what went better and how they can continue it. Then also study Xavier. Don't want to overlook this team. We already did that one time, at the Centa Center at least. Not not at home, but it <laughs> no, has man. happened. And Brendan had another question. Should Chris Lane and myself start their own competing podcast since they're clearly fan favorites and the driving force for the show? Asking for a friend. And Chris Lane. Followed up and said, and it shall be called two idiots discover a microphone. Mike Town said, You need to add Catherine Ryan on this too, in my honest opinion. And then Catherine Ryan chirped in and said, So three idiots. And then Mike <laughs> <laughs> Mike Jacobs added one more thing and said, Well, I mean, you'd really be the idiots if there are three of you and you called it two idiots. So, Chris, yeah, should they start their own computer podcast? I say yes. The, the yeah. SB Nation mothership is asking me, do we have a show that can fill in the other slots for this network? Tuesday and Thursdays are taken, but hey, you know, we got Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, we a lot the, of days. yeah, it's no longer just the State of the Nova Nation anymore. It's the View Hoops podcast network. So we can add and we can have more, and the more the merrier. For sure.
0: Should they start their own podcast? Yeah, sure. Why not? Hey, look, everyone,
1: it's, it's great. I love it. Uh,
0: they're, I love their analysis. I'm all for it. You know, I love them on. I, I also love having them on too. So it's good time. I will I say though, it. they're, they're if, if they do call it Two Idiots Discover a Microphone," I will probably tune in more, more than more than ever. Just on the name alone, that's a great name. They'll Look good.
1: I'll tell the SVP Nation people that. Yeah. So we got Salem Nova Nation and Two Idiots Discover a Microphone. <laughs> they're gonna be like, "Oh, what's the context of that? What else? It's in the title." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, yeah. but yeah, no, honestly, yeah, we do appreciate having them on when they do pop in, when they do stop by. Catherine Ryan also as well. Ryan Bowman sometimes, Matt Gregory, former View Hoops alum also sometimes when he, he made a couple appearances. Um, But yeah, I mean, why not, right? As long as I don't have to do post-production, I swear. Please. Right. <laughs> Please. I <laughs> <laughs> already, already, already spent hours on this post. I don't need more. <laughs> right. This question is from John K., why isn't Cosby Roundtree playing? Is he hurt? I thought he was doing well at the end of last year. There's something, we, we've gotten this a few times, and yeah. we can only rehash what we've said in that we're not too sure. But on top of that, I don't, while I don't think he's hurt, it's very possible we're not going to rule that out just because nothing official has been said. It's just whose minutes do you take away? I personally didn't think he was as bad as pundits in our comment section made him out to be at the end of last season or midway through last year. I would have obviously liked to see more minutes for him, but it just looks like he's kind of the odd man out right now, and that's just the way it is.
0: Yeah, I mean we've yeah, like you said, we've kind of talked about this topic quite a bit, especially in, earlier in the season, and we kind of saw his minutes dwindling, dwindling, and dwindling, and it just comes down to a numbers game, and also his performance on the court just hasn't been up to par. And whether that is an injury or whether he's just regressed to this point is uh, to be determined. It, it may be a little bit of both. Maybe it's one way or the other, but. He just hasn't performed when he's out there when he was getting the minutes at the beginning of the year. So I, I think it's just the way it goes. Who are you going to take away? Wh- whose minutes are you going to take away at this point? So It's just a shame he's the odd man out. Because, yes, he was doing well towards the end of the year. And he had that stretch uh, in the middle of the year as well. So, But it's just not the way it's meant to be, I guess, for him.
1: Yeah, we're just going to have to wait and see. We're going to have to wait and see if he can work his way back into the rotation at some point. Next up, we got a series of questions from Mike J. He, he, went, he went in. He went in with his Twitter fingers. First one is When are you going to have Chris Lane, Brendan Riley, and Catherine Ryan on at the same time? So, five people on the, stand <laughs> of the Nova Nation. I will say, we do now have the technology to support this. So, we do. Last year, last year we did not. It was not possible. It was not possible. It was not in the budget. This year, it is definitely in the budget and definitely possible. I'd love a Villanova, Vu Hoops roundtable thing. That'd be great. That'd be actually real cool. Yeah, we'd have to try it for something, maybe like a big game or like the Big East tournament or like NCAA's postseason stuff. Selection, Selection. Sunday. Well, yeah, we Selection fill out our team. brackets. Yeah, ooh.
0: Yep, fill out our brackets. All five of us at Selection Sunday at the uh, in the Villanova room. That'd be uh, Connolly. That'd be great. Doing okay. a live show.
1: We'll get Dale Reynolds or Henry Lowe's that people see that this is a legitimate establishment. <laughs> but not just like, who are these five washed up Villanovans sitting mm-hmm. here on the stage at the Connolly center. <laughs>
0: hey, I'm all for that, man. That'd be fun. That'd be fun.
1: Yeah. We do have the technology now, so it can we be do. done. We can do. Can be done. But will it? Well, we'll see. We'll see. We're going to have to find a day that works for everybody, which that might be, uh, <laughs> yeah, might be the biggest obstacle. Yeah. It would be the biggest obstacle for being honest. Yes. No, before it was a technological barrier, not so much anymore. And Chris, you yes, you alluded to this earlier. You asked me what I thought about the new retro throwbacks that were debuted against Kansas. I did. And now Mike J wants us to rank them from worst to second best because uh-huh. the 1985 throwbacks are number one, obviously. And that's that's a no brainer. That's like a that's uh-huh. a first ballot Hall of Fame jersey, if yep. I'm being honest. That's like you no know, undisputed.
0: If we're being honest, they should be the full-time jerseys, but that's just me. Or Even they though they at did... least
1: have them for sale, I'll tell you that. You oh, God. There.
0: I mean, we can complain about that till the cows come home, though it'll never happen. <laughs>
1: but... <laughs> so here are the alternate Villanova jerseys that we're going to be ranking. We have the Grays, the Navy with the Block V. Now, I'm assuming that these are the ones that I did not like from our freshman year, 2012-2013 yeah. Yeah. season. Uh-huh. Then we got the light blues, the baby blues, the powder blues, whatever you want to call them, that were debuted this year. And then the blue and yellow, which we most recently saw on Saturday against Kansas. Chris, we're going to give it to you first. How would you rank these alternate Villanova jerseys from worst to second best?
0: Worst to best? Okay, the grays are the worst by far, uh, just because of the Georgetown likeness. And it just there's just no Villanova color scheme that makes sense with that. It just—it was an ugly-looking jersey. And I know you had one. I don't know why you had one, but you had one. And, Yo, it was uh, a gift,
1: I, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it, was an, it was a Ryan Archie Diakono one, too, which is – you know I wouldn't have bought that myself. Right. <laughs> I, I knew – you know,
0: and now thinking back to that, yeah. yeah I, I never made that connection, but yeah, <laughs> you're right. Um, but those are by far the worst. But not too far behind is a uh, is that – is those blue jerseys with the block fee those were just weird, but I get it because it was like an experiment thing and it 's like Nike I think that was like I think Nike did that for a bunch of teams that year, or whoever the jersey manufacturer was, they did it for a bunch of teams that year, and it wasn 't the best, but at least it made sense because it was blue and that 's in the Villanova color scheme then you you move up a little bit to the uh, the powder blues, which I did admit on this show a couple couple weeks ago or last week, whenever the heck it was that i'm not the biggest fan of them uh they're they're okay they're not great but they're okay and my main gripe with them is the fact that the villanova lettering is dark blue and it should just be the white but then we got into the whole unc looking thing and whatever but then as i just mentioned earlier this episode the new throwbacks i guess those are by foot with the gold those are great i love them they it's just the perfect, not a perfect jersey, but it's, it's damn near close to it.
1: I like it a lot. I was thinking about this, and I was like, huh, should I defend my gray jersey, which I haven't discarded yet? Because, <laughs> you know, I was not, I did not like those Navy with a block V. I thought they looked so cheap. I thought they looked tacky. Didn't think it was that great. Thought it could have been a lot better, especially Nike. You, come up, you couldn't come up with anything more creative. Like, you literally just stuck the logo put a smaller number on the bottom, and then just number on the back. Uh, Not not a fan. Not a fan of those jerseys. But I'm also not the biggest fan of the Grays. And those two would probably be in my negative. But I will have to rank them. So, uh, I'm going to say the Grays are the worst. Depending on my mood, you could say, like, literally, ticks. They're, like, ticks apart from each other. The Navy with a block V, that's, like, almost just as bad, in my opinion. Okay. And then you start moving up the scale back to the positive end of the spectrum. And then you have the blue and yellow, which I wasn't too crazy for, but I didn't hate it either. But like I said, because they won, they can wear it however, they can wear it however many times they want. They can wear it wherever they want. They can wear it as much. It, it was, it's, a, it's an okay jersey. I wasn't too crazy about it, but you already know how I feel about the light blue. Biggest fan. Huge fan of that one. That's mm-hmm. a great alternative, Josie. I know you hate it, but no. I like the baby blues. I don't hate it. I just, I don't love it. I, I just think it's just kind of eh. And it
0: doesn't look, it just, it looks weird. It's, it took an adjustment period. That's all. Maybe if they wear them a few more times. And I saw Chris Lane says, I'm going to blow this ranking. Well, you know, there it is. And you can keep tweeting at me about how bad my picks are. Well, okay. well that's
1: because, that's because we, we all disagree on how you feel about the, the blues, the light blues. I, I know.
0: I know, but at least I'm not going outrageous and saying the grace are the best or something. It's opposite day.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Last question from Mike J. What are you having for Christmas dinner? These, this is a great question. I don't even know, to be honest. I'm, I'm having a giant potluck-type deal with the family tonight, Christmas Eve, over at my aunt's. Uh, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a lot of food, a lot of drink, a lot of adult beverages, desserts. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to chilling real hard for the next couple of days.
0: Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I don't know what we have for Christmas. It usually involves a ham of some sort, but. Definitely usually,
1: ham. Ham is like a. Yeah, like that's a minimum. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But as an Italian, Christmas Day dinner really isn't as big as Christmas Eve dinner with the seven fishes and all that. But we don't really count. We just kind of just throw a bunch of seafood on the table. And if it amounts to seven, then good. But, uh, but yeah, that's what we usually do.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward I mean, to it. Days off too. That's the best part. Oh, don't get that now now we're just <laughs> now we're just getting a little too out of control here. Now uh, we're getting to explicit content. <laughs> well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to State of the Nova Nation. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. Look up View Hoops or look up State of the Nova Nation. You can be you should be able to find it on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Megaphone, Stitcher. All these options. So many options. Please check back at viewhoops.com. Check back. Check golfing. We always got stuff pumping and going and moving. Please chime in on our ever-expansive growing threading of a comment section from that Kansas win. We're hitting record numbers right now. Like, geez, I haven't seen this many comments on a non-postseason like post-season game in my life. Uh, over 300 and very much still counting, and it's not even March yet. Great. Love it. Love it. Follow the site on social media. You can do so at view hoops. That's good for Twitter and Instagram. Please follow me, Eugene repay at E repay five and Chris, what are we plugging today?
0: Uh, nothing. Just wanted to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a happy new year. If we, uh, don't get on before then and happy Hanukkah as well. If we don't, I know we're in the middle of that now, but uh, you celebrate that. So happy holidays, everyone enjoy it. It's the best time of the year and you got to celebrate it with a, uh, kick as went over Kansas as a Ryan
1: fan and said, uh,
0: Merry Christmas, Nova Nation. So uh,
1: enjoy the holidays. Oh, man, poor planning on my part. I just realized you had a point there. The next show would be on New Year's Eve. I didn't think about that. Yeah. So, I mean, hey, look, oh. I, if,
0: uh, we'll see if we'll get on the air for that, but probably not.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. TBA. TBA. I only thought about Thursday. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, after Christmas, trying to relax, you know. But now it's Mm. like, huh, that's on New Year's Eve. Yeah, the way uh,
0: the calendar worked out. Didn't do uh, any favors for State of the Nova Nation. But, hey, just enjoy it.
1: Yeah. So even better reason that we did the Xavier preview. Exactly. Everyone, enjoy your holidays. Enjoy your Christmas. Enjoy your Hanukkah. Celebrate New Year's. Definitely enjoy. Maybe the next time we see you will be in 2020. Maybe not. Stay tuned and enjoy the rest of your day, the rest of your week, and the rest of your holidays.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com.